Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplift you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. Each and every one of us to leave a legacy. We've been going through um, this series of legacy, and um, I don't know about you, but it's been very challenging for me as, as going into this series to look at my role as we are leaving a legacy. You can't just leave a legacy on accident. It has to be intentional. It has to be intentional, especially like with your families, with your finances. If you want to leave something for generations to come, it has to be intentional mindset from the beginning. It just doesn't happen. I don't know about you, I just didn't wake up a millionaire. Can I get an amen on that? All right? It just doesn't happen that way. There's decisions that have to be made. There's sacrifices that have to be made. There's, there's things that come into your life. There's things that need to come out of your life to make those things happen. And the reality is, as we leave a legacy here at our church, we believe that it's just not going to happen. We have to all be intentional. We have to all just want to go forward and leave a legacy, not only for us now, but for generations to come. Generations to come. It starts now. It starts with us. It starts in this moment. I remember whenever we were transitioning into this building, and I was just so scared of what the newness about everything was going to be. Like, who's going to show up? What's the building going to look like? I don't know about you, but did you see our new floors? Come on. When you get a new dress or a new shirt, you want people to look at it. Look at the floors, all right? Our legacy offering that we have been uh, we've been talking about for the next for the past couple of weeks are already in, in in action, are already in motion. We could not do this moving forward if we if we are not all partnering together to push the mission forward of Axios Church. And I'm going to talk about that legacy offering just a little bit. But as we move forward in this year, uh, into this series, we got two uh, we got three weeks left until we come together as a church to collect our legacy offering. It's gonna be November 5th, and I, I'm challenging you uh, uh, to really deep, dig deep, to really give sacrificially. We are asking for, we're asking God for something that not only is gonna be for us, but to help other people as well. I challenge you, do not skip this. Come, let's all come together and let's be, um, let's leave a legacy for not only now, but for generations to come. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children's. And the, and the verse that we've been kind of dissecting the past couple of weeks is Psalms chapter 27. And we talked about three job descriptions that God gives us as we leave a legacy. The first one was he calls us to be worksmen. We have to get to work. We can't just sit on the sidelines. We can't just rot on the pew and expect things to happen. No, we got to get our hands to the plow and be who God's called us to be to work for his kingdom. The second thing we talked about is being a watchman. A watchman on top of a, a tower is to explore what is to come and when to advance in, in, in battle. And as watchmen, we have to watch over the, the legacy that God has given us in this place. We have to watch over the legacy over our children. Why? Because God calls us to be watchmen over the hill. When the enemy comes, we can't expect the enemy uh, to just not come. He's going to come because the legacy and the purpose that is in, in you is bigger than what the enemy wants to do. It's leaving a legacy. And today we're going to end this series as we are going next week to our birthday. Our birthday's next week. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you not pointing any fingers, you like to have your birthday all month, all right? I don't know when this happened, okay? But I'm telling you that we're going to party next week, okay? So I need you here. Three, we're turning three, okay? By God's grace, so I want you to be here. That's my spew of you better be here tomorrow, next week, okay? As we're moving forward into legacy, we have a, a guest speaker next week, but I want to end the series here because I want you to understand that this is one of the most important roles as leaving a legacy, a generational spiritual legacy in this place, in a community, in this culture. You have to be a warrior. You have to be a warrior. God calls us to be a watchman. He calls us to be a worksman. 
But one of the most important things that he calls us to be is a warrior. I don't know about you, but we're continuing to pray over Israel. Israel is going through it right now. And uh, we, we, are, we are behind it 100%. We, we are support Israel. But there's a war happening. And, and there's people ready to fight. And in the spiritual realm, do we understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, demons, trying to conquer our soul. And if we have that mindset, we have to know that there's a battle for our life. There's a battle for our purpose. The enemy is not just going to roll over and just give you what God's called you to, 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 to inherit. No, it's going to be a fight. And if you don't know how to fight, you're going to cower down to every temptation. You're going to cower down to everything that the enemy has. And you're not going to live your purpose out because you don't know how to fight. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking with you. Because we have to know that there is a spiritual battle, not only for your life, but for this church. And we need people that are ready at the front lines of what the enemy is trying to take over. He's trying to take over our kids. He's trying to take over our youth. He's trying to take over our young adults. He's trying to battle the next generation. Why? Because if the next generation can cower down to the enemy's plans, we don't have a future. And we need mothers, fathers, grandmothers to look back at the enemy at the front lines of the battle and say, not for my house, not for this church. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. Psalms 23 indicates us that there is a, that like a arrow in the hands of a warrior are children's born in one youth. Blesses the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not put to shame when they confront with opponents in court. A worksmith, a watchman, and a warrior. Before a, before a warrior goes into battle, what is the first thing they have to do? This is a question. Train? What's another thing they have to do? They have to make sure they have the right armor, right? They have to make sure they're armored up. Going into a battle with the wrong armor leads to defeat every time. We're wondering why. Here's the, here's the thing. The enemy is fighting some of the best warriors the kingdom of God has. And they know if, the, if that warrior is not living to the potential that God has for them, that the battle that that warrior has to have is going to be defeated. You, you know why? Because the, you have to be strong. You have to put on this thing that we call, if you've been in church for, for just a little bit, it's called the armor of God. The armor of God. We go in churches all the time, but we don't explain what that armor is. It just becomes like little things like, you know, with the little flannel boards. You know, you remember Sunday school? The little armor, the little shield, it, it, you know, and it's not like this weird thing. People make stuff so weird. It's like, oh, they're talking about armor. And literally people are like, what, what do I put on? They ain't putting on stuff. It's a spiritual thing. You ain't going to become a spiritual uh, mighty morphin power ranger, okay? So it ain't morphin time, right? But the reality is this. Some of you are fighting battles that you're not winning because you're putting the wrong armor on. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And I'm coming, listen, I'm coming for the enemy today. I, I am coming for the enemy because I am sick and tired of grown men and women that are called by God, that are falling to little childish sins that are holding them back from what God has for them. Families are being ruined because the enemy's trying to go. The, 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 the businesses are being ruined because they, they don't know how to take care. I'm here to tell you right now, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're gonna, we're gonna fight for this thing. We're gonna fight for our families. We're gonna fight for our marriages. We're gonna fight for our children because it's time to get to war. I'm a little spiritual ghetto in this today, huh? She made a shirt. She's literally wearing a shirt that says spiritual ghetto in this. It's a tag phrase now. In reality, it's not a cheesy thing. It's not, it's a life-changing thing. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 17, it gives us an indication of what this armor is. And we're going to read it, and I'm going to give you some um, definitions of what that is. Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in his and the, and the mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Stop right there. It gives the Bible is clear. It says the devil's schemes, you can you can fight it if you have the what? The right armor. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, so it tells you this, hey, you can do it. This is what you're fighting. It even tells you who you're fighting. And now it's saying, okay, now that you know all that, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that in the days of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, so basically it says you are going to get weak. I, I love how that, that, that verse right there. It says you can put on the full armor of God but still feel weak at times. There's been this thing in culture, in church culture, that, that if, if you're a little down, that means you're not have enough faith. It means that you're not a good Christian because you're a little weak. I'm here to tell you right now, we get weak, but we are strong in him. Amen. So just because you're weak doesn't mean that you have less faith. No, that means that you're battling something and it's time to get to work. It's time to get on our knees. It's time to fast. It's time to fight. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take on the shield of faith, with it would extinguish the, um, the flame arrows of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, for this is which is the word of God. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And we have to make sure in the spiritual realm, we have to make sure that we are suited up. No soldier is going to go into battle with the wrong armor because they know they're going to be defeated uh, right away. So I'm here to tell you, you are all warriors. It is time to fight. This is the battle cry. But I'm going to tell you what you need to put on before you get into battle. Because you can't fight this battle. This battle that you're fighting right now, it can't be fought with just normal things. It has to be fought with spiritual things. And I'm here to tell you right now, these are the things that you need to put on. So I'm going to go through these things. We're going back to Sunday school, okay? And then I'm going to explain why all this matters to legacy. Here we go. Um, the belt of truth, okay? If you don't put a belt on, what happens? You're exposing. You're, you're very much exposed. If you are not seeking, listen to this, it says the belt of truth. If you are not seeking the right truth, that means you're making up your own and living in your own opinion. Real truth, listen to this, real truth is rooted in surrender and obedience. Real truth is the root of a surrendered life and an obedient life. When you start making your own truth, you are not surrendered to the authority of Jesus Christ. Just because the Bible does not attract to what you need to feel at that moment doesn't mean it's not truth. It means that you need to surrender your feelings, your truth under the blood. For far too long in a culture, we made our own truth. Because it makes us feel good. The gospel's not going to make you feel good all the time. But it's going to be the best thing for you. It's, it's the best thing for you. Because it gives you a solid ground to stand on. Other things around this world, other things around culture can be a sense of truth. Do you understand that every lie has a little sense of truth underneath it? Why? Because nothing can be true. It needs to have some kind of truth. That's how the enemy works. Gives you just enough to think about it and be confused so you have to make a choice. No, no, no. I'm here to tell you that truth outside of boundaries is not truth. It's called being reckless. Truth outside of boundaries is not truth. Is being reckless. You have to have some boundaries of your life. And the boundaries is his word. 
You can't be called a child of God and not be rooted in the truth of his word. A Roman soldier's belt, listen to this, a Roman soldier's belt is what held the rest of the armor up. Is a foundational piece, and without it, the soldier will not be protective, nor will he be effective. The belt held it all together. The, the belt is what brought it. So before you start fighting, you need to know what truth you're living in. You got to put on the right truth. And the truth comes from his word. The truth comes from the, a, a word of God. It's what holds everything together. I love that it says it's not only you're not only going to be protected, but you're not only effective. There's a there's the worst thing where there's a God, there's a person that is says that they're a, a child of God, but it's not effective at all. That they can't tell if you are or not. But when we're living the truth. We're coming against culture, and people are going to see something different about you, and that's being effective because then that gives you a chance to witness. It's putting the right truth on. John chapter 17, verse 17 says this, sanctify them in truth. Your what? Word is truth. How can you live in truth if you don't know what kind of words are you putting in your life? How can you live in truth if you haven't cracked your Bible in, in, in about three years? How can you live in truth if you go to Instagram more than his word? How can you live in truth if you, if you spend more time at a job that, that gives you money but doesn't give you life but then not go to church? You see what I'm talking about? And when you are not rooted in truth, you make up your own truth. And you're wondering why your life is unstable. It's because you're not rooted in the right truth. I'm sorry I'm coming at you today. I'm coming with me too because this is, this, is, this is for me. This is for me. This is what we need to preach because there's a battle for our life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, do, um, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who is no need to be ashamed, rightly handing the, the word of truth. Without the belt of truth, the rest of the armor will fall apart. Another, another piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness the breastplate was the most vital defense piece of an armor of a roman soldier to wear it protected the vital organs when when the blows of the enemy came the enemy will attack let me give you this because we're, we're having this weird thing in our culture right now about identity about identity let, let me just let me just give you something right real fast the enemy will attack your identity in christ when you give your life to him, he makes you righteous. But the enemy wants you to think that you are not worthy of his love. You cannot be a child of God and think you're unworthy of his love. Because then you're saying that the cross is not enough. Because what he did on the cross makes us righteous. It's not what you've done. It's what he's done. So what I'm trying to tell you today is your identity is secure in him, but you have to accept that identity. You have to accept that identity. You got to stop listening to the lies and accept that I am a child of God. The one thing that the breastplate, the organs, but it, one of the most important organs that it protects is the heart. The heart. Let's do a heart check real fast. Has the enemy penetrated your heart where you feel numb even to the Holy Spirit? Has the enemy penetrated your heart that you feel numb to even feelings around your marriage? Have it penetrated your heart and, and feel numb to not even wanting to love your kids or, or love your job or, or love that thing that you once prayed for? Because the reality is the heart is what keeps us connected to God's compassion. When you live a life like this, hard all the time, you can't open your eyes to the compassion that God has for us or has for his people. Because the enemy has... <laughs> when you lose heart, you only live by your mind. 
And I don't know about you. Sometimes this thing, <laughs> woo-wee. I battle here. But before here, it has to start here. So maybe check your heart. Have you gotten so hardened that you don't even know how to feel anymore? See, the Bible calls us at times that we need to go back to our first love. Remember that time when you first gave your heart to Christ? When your heart was just a sponge. Where sometimes some of us, at the drop of a hat, we just cry and we're like, what is going on? It's because your heart is so soft. Let me ask you this. What have you made your, what things have come into your heart that are the arrows of the enemy that made your heart hard? And the reality is, we are not, we can't even put on our breastplate because it's not, you said this to yourself, it's not even worth it anymore. God wants to soften that thing. Life, life, living life hard leads to destruction. Talk, let's talk to Pharaoh about that. Read your Bible. It says his heart was, heart was hardened. We have to know that when we put the right armor on, it protects the organs that need to be protected. The heart keeps us sensitive to people and their needs. Logic outside of the, logic outside of the Lord leads to self selfish living. Say it again. Logic, the way you think, the way you feel, outside of the will of God, leads to selfish living. We have too many selfish people around because they just let just. I'm just go by my feelings. I don't know about you. Has your feelings ever you know, like dictate like wrong decisions in your life? Just feel, feel. What am I doing up here? Don't put this on a shirt, all right? I just feel my way to things. I just feel my way to decisions. No, honey, you need to stop feeling and you need to stop operating in truth. Because you need to protect that heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-three says, "Keep your heart." With all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they what? Shall see the God. Shall see the Lord. When our heart is penetrated with the enemy's arrows, we live in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in hatred, in lust, in sin, in gossip, hello, and in more. It hardens our heart to the move of the Holy Spirit. It's time for warriors. Let me say it like this. Time for warriors to have a backbone of ourselves and protect our hearts from the things that are trying to let them come in. It's called this. It's this, it's this hard word. It's called um, being mature. Let's be mature. And you have the power. God has given you the power. Let's not living unforgiveness. Let's not live in unforgiveness. Let's not live in these things. It's time for us to live righteous life, which God has already given us through his cross. Another one is this. The shoes of peace. And I believe that the, the Bible really has some Jordans, all right? Some Jordans. I'll say the, the, the Jordan shoes of peace, 34s, all right? No, sevens, holy number. Sevens, holy number. Seven, 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 all right? Let me, ask, let me say, it's crazy. It's crazy how your stance and your stability is attributed to your peace. Your stability in life is really how your peace is. If I am wearing a high heel, which I won't, Well, <laughs> if I'm wearing a high heel and a tennis shoe, do you think I'm stable? I can't even wear tennis shoes and not roll my ankle. Here's the thing. 
What makes us unstable in life is we have the wrong footwear on. We're supposed to be in peace, but what happens is what makes us unstable and what the enemy uses is worry and anxiety to make us unstable. We put a little worry, a high heel on, and then a little anxiety alert, and we're feeling, oh, unstable. Isn't it crazy how the word of God attributes peace with stableness, stability? Without comfortable shoes, a soldier is quickly rendered ineffective. Try to, try to play basketball with dress shoes. It ain't happening. Try to run about around a base with, ba with, with slippers on. You're slipping real fast, right? Try to play football with other shoes. <laughs> with no shoes. Somebody's going to step on you real quick. Why? Because what you put on really sees how you're going to be effective in that thing. So when I'm playing basketball, I got basketball shoes on. When I'm playing tennis, I got some tennis shoes on. When I'm going dressed up, I, because what, where you're, what you're doing really determines what you're wearing. When it comes to our spiritual armor, we need to put on peace in our life. And you know where peace comes from? The Lord. We have to stop giving the foothold to the enemy and stop living in worry, anxiety. Do I know worry, anxiety is there? Yes, it's real, and I'm not coming against it. That's fine. But there is a generation that we're losing that is not anxious. It's just they're not surrendered. They're, not, they're worried because they don't know that the outcome is victory. Do you understand you win? But when you have a mindset of always defeat, you, you're never going to be stable. Peace comes in your life when chaos is all around and I can walk on water because I know who's making me do it. Peace comes when there's a fiery furnace and I can walk in and not be burned. Why? Because there's peace. Because it's not my life. I surrender my life to the one that holds my stability. So if you feel a little unstable, maybe you became your own God. Because you're relying on you. And you're walking like this. Stability comes from the peace that we have in who's writing our story. And I can stand firm on that. It says in the word of God in Ephesians, it says repeatedly, stand, stand firm. One of the easiest ways for an enemy to succeed is shaking loose from standing firm and to tempt us with anxiety and worry. When we carry anxiousness and worry with us, we are robbed of our peace. But the gospel of peace keeps our feet anchored and standing firm. Worry is based on an illusion of control. Worry is based on illusion of control. We worry because we're not in control. The question is, should you be in control? No. But when we are there and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. And that's not just being lazy. You're being effective. But, God, I'm just trusting you. There's times in your life that if you haven't got there, you will be there, that you don't have the answer. That you can talk to everybody, but you're just there, and you just got to be like, God, I'm standing firm. God, I'm still believing. God, I'm still standing in who you are. God, I still believe in you. You have to have a belief system in your life. And that's his gospel, the shoes of peace. Uh, another one is the, the shield of faith. Shield of faith. You can't fight if you do not have, you cannot fight a battle 
if you don't already thought you, you, you have won the battle. You got to go into the battle saying it's, it's already won because of what he's did. Stop going defeated in battles already. When Paul wrote this passage, Roman soldiers carried a shield. Listen to this. Carried shields, and they were covered with heavy animal hide. And before battle, they would dip the shield in the water so that the fiery darts that hit them hit the water and extinguished the darts. They already knew what the enemy was trying to bring, so they're already prepared for the battle. So if you struggle with anxiety, you already know what the enemy's going to try to hit you with. Be prepared for the battle. They dip their shield in water already knowing that the enemy is going to bring that attack. We have to surround ourselves with faith and shields that shields us from the things that are trying to hinder us. You have a sin issue of a thing that you keep on going to. Maybe you need to shield yourself around that thing. Like, stop being dumb about it. I know I struggle with this. So I'm going to shield something around so it can help me come against that. If you struggle with lust, put your phone away. It's a shield. If you struggle with the temptation of watching things and doing things, and you shield yourself around it. You can't just go in uh, like dumbified, that's another one, and be like, oh, I'm, I can do it today. He's going to fight. We got to be prepared. And it's the shield of faith. Christians need to have a shield of faith regularly dipped in water in God's word to replenish and be fully functional. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from what? The word of God. As a warrior, we need to win by faith and not by the physical. We need to be prepared for the war. Another thing is the helmet of salvation. The head is the most valuable part of the body. If you don't have a head, it's weird. I know we're in October, the headless horseman, I get it. But the head is one of the most important parts going into war, right? You can't just, it would be kind of weird just throwing just headless people over there. I mean, it's a good, good, good tactic, but it ain't going to work. The helmet of salvation protects the head, which in reality protects the mind. Why does it call it, why protecting your thought process is attributed to salvation? Because sometimes you got to be reminded what grace he's given us to let you understand that the thoughts that are coming in is not a part of that grace. Salvation is given us freely, but sometimes we make it so hard to attain Am I good enough? Do I fit the bill? How can God love me? All these thoughts in our mind are making it so hard for us to accept his salvation. When his salvation was already bought on a cross. It's the helmet of salvation. That's why a soldier wears a helmet. It's to protect the head and, the, and allows them to stay in the fight longer. Man, that's good. We're not fighting just a, a little war. This is for longevity here. So your thought process is important to this fight. If you want to fight longer, protect the head. Protect the mind. It will be foolish to wear all the armor but to neglect the helmet. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse verse 5 is one of the one of the greatest things when it comes to your mind. It says destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ and take every thought what captive to obey Christ. 
You need to destroy every thought that is against what God says. If it doesn't say in his word, it's not a thought of God. And we, it says right here, we have to destroy it and take it captive and submit it under truth. You can live in truth or you can live in a lie. So every lie has to be killed by what? Truth. And that's how we win the battle. And the last one is this, the sword of the spirit. All the other pieces of the armor is a defense mechanism. It's to defend. There's one armor that is for the offense. And that's the sword. You know the story of David and Goliath? David brought the enemy down with a stone, but killed the enemy with the sword. Because we see the he did, whoop, 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 but then he said that he took Goliath's sword that was meant for David's destruction and took it and cut the head off of Goliath and took the head, very weird, but I'm with it, took the head and started walking around town. Read your Bible. He said he paraded a head all around. Why? Because he wanted, he wanted everybody to know that I not only knocked this thing down, I killed it out of my life. I'm not only going into defensive, I'm going into the offense. I don't only need you to see this enemy down. I need to see paraded to say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I will not have thoughts of the enemy. That's for We need to start fighting back. The sword is an offensive weapon. And in the right hand, it's very deadly. It is not defensive. It's not defensive. It's offensive. See, in Psalms chapter, let me get that. And Cole, you can come up. Psalms chapter 127. At the end of it, it starts talking about this thing called a quiver. Everybody know what a quiver is? This is a quiver. <laughs> the quiver is a pouch that held the arrows for, for battle. So it's, it has the bow and arrow, and it's the pouch that they kept the arrows in, and it will feed them arrows as they're in, in battle. If you read in Psalms chapter 127, verse 5, it says, Blesses the man whose quiver is full. Living a life of defense is not going to win this battle. It has to be offense. And we see this modeled so good with Jesus himself. When the devil himself tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, took Jesus on top of a hill and said all of this and started naming all these things that he, that he thought that Jesus was fasted in this moment. He was very weak. But one thing that Jesus wasn't weak in, which is not, he wasn't weak at all, was his quiver was full. We, we know that we can fight. But the problem is, is when you fight and you don't have enough arrows, what happens? You're defeated. Quiver is full. When you're fighting, I wish this is hard with this mic. What did Jesus do whenever the enemy came? He's, the enemy said, you can have this. And Jesus, what did he do, what Jesus threw at him? A scripture. He threw truth at him. When the enemy started calling lies, he threw truth. Jesus was a G. 
Because I, I love that. I love that scene. I, I, I look at it as like a like one of those fighting scenes. You know, Jesus is like this. Just ready. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Just ready. The enemy's coming. You thought you had me. My quiver is full. I got another scripture for you. I got another scripture for you. I got another truth for you. So when the enemy is coming at you, you can say you have to have your quiver full. You got to get into your word. Because James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when the enemy comes to you and tries to fight you, you better... Get another scripture out. You better have that quiver full. You better know that you are from God. You are a little children. You are overcomer by them. You are greater as he that is in the that is in you, that is he is in the world. You got to have another arrow. How about this? No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue accused against you in judgment shall be condemned. Yet another one, all right? You got to fight this battle. All things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Throw that arrow, okay? You got to say, but thanks be to God who has given me victory in Christ Jesus. Throw that arrow. Judex, I'm going to hit you, okay? Not my might nor my power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. You got to fight this fight. And when you feel like you're empty, there's a bunch of other scriptures in the Bible. You better fill that quiver up. And you got to say, but wait on the Lord and what my strength shall be renewed. You got to be throwing these arrows. You got to be ready to go. Sierra, throw right there. You got to have your quiver full. If I hit somebody, sorry. You got to keep your quiver full for the warrior to fight. As you leave this life, I got one more. It's for her. We're fighting. You can't fight alone with a weapon. You got to fight with the right ammo. You have the advantage over this fight. You have the advantage over this war. It's his word. And one of the, the worst things that the enemy love, uh, hates, the enemy hates is when you bring truth to his lie. <laughs> Stop listening to the lie. Stop operating in the lie. You have the power. What did the enemy do when, he, when Jesus started giving him truth? It said that he ran away. Stop living defeated. You have the power. Get into your word. Keep your quiver full. Because the enemy's going to fight. The enemy's going to come. He said he's coming like a roaring lion. You have to put the right armor on. You got to protect what needs to be protected. And when it's ready to fight, you have the armor. You have the, the, the your quiver is full. And you're ready to shoot the arrows back at the enemy. Because he's going to shoot at you. You better be ready to shoot back. Because this battle is won. Not in the physical. But in the spiritual. And what does all this have to do with leaving a legacy? has everything to do with leaving the legacy. Because if your thought process is wrong, that thought process is going to trickle down generations. If, if your heart is hardened, it's going to trickle down generations. If, if you're not protecting the right areas, little eyes see and start becoming. It has everything to do with leaving a legacy. It has everything to do with what we're trying to build. It has everything to do because even as a church, I need you to get ready for war. Sundays is not enough. You got to be protected Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sundays is just getting us back in the ring, back in the battle. But we have to fight. This leaves a legacy. I love the story of Nehemiah. Jerusalem is in ruins. The walls of the, of the city, the walls of the, uh, of the temple are, are in ruins. Fire everywhere. It is destroyed. And they are at the worst. If you ever hit rock bottom, they're at rock bottom. Nehemiah looking at all the destruction. Nehemiah looking at all the things that have gone wrong, looking at all the negative, feeling all the worry, feeling all the anxiety, could have cowered down 
and said, well, it's over. But thank God that there's a Nehemiah that has a backbone to himself to say, if others are, are going down, if others are seeing this as a negative, I'm going to turn this as a positive. It's time to build the walls back. And he started building. People were confused. What is this loser? Why is this person trying to build when there's chaos all around? Because the circumstances did not, do not dictate my building. I build even in the midst of the chaos. I don't build just when everything is good. No, it's time to build. And I love what they said. It said, Nehemiah got a, crew, a, group, a group of people around and said, it's time to build the walls again. Got them hype. Just like I'm doing you right now. Let's get hype. It's time to build. And what did he say? He said, we need to build with a weapon in one hand and, an, and a hammer in the other. We're building but we're also ready to fight. We're building, but we're also ready to fight. Here at Axios, I'm calling you as Nehemiah did to get to the walls and let's build this thing. Let's build with one hammer in the, in, in the hand and also with a weapon on the other because we know that the enemy's not gonna like what we build. The, we understand that the enemy's not gonna like when we're sacrificially giving together as a church for the future generations. He doesn't like this. He's gonna fight every thought. Oh, everybody can do it. I don't need to do it. No, 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 no. That's a thought that is not of God. I'm here to tell you that it takes all of us. It takes all of us being a warrior on a hill to, to, to build with one hand building, the other hand ready to fight is to leave a godly legacy. If you feel certain, a certain way about what I'm talking about today, maybe that's the Holy Spirit talking to you, saying it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Time to fight. Why do we fight? And why are we doing this? It's because we're trying to leave a legacy. We're in legacy season. This is fighting season. This is fighting season. It's easy to back down even with our finances. No, it's time to fight. That's the offense. Giving is the offense. Being defensive is keeping. That's just what the Bible. That's the Bible. It's just be cheerful giver. Why do we do this? Because we have three things that we're doing in our legacy offering. Number one, you're kind of seeing it around. We're trying to improve. We're going to stay. We just signed a, a year lease to stay in this building. Come on. We ain't going nowhere. We're going to build this place. We're going to grow. We're going to go to two services. We're going to go to two services. We're going to see what God has for us after that, okay? But we're going to build, build, build here. So we need to make stuff look a little better. That's why we got floors. So we're, some of the money's going to that. Another thing we're going to, we're building, not only we're building houses of, of worship here in Lakeland, in our community, we want to build houses of worship around the world. Do you see that the world is going crazy right now? So more churches is better than less churches, okay? So we're partnering with an organization that we get to be church planters in the Philippines right now. In the Philippines, we get to plant churches after churches in the Philippines. Not only just give money, but be with the pastors, talk to them, see, tell them some of the things that we failed at as we were planting Axios and partner with them. And eventually we can go to a mission trip to the church that we helped plant in the Philippines. Isn't that awesome? And when they're stable and ready to go, guess what? We build another church. We build another. They're, they're, often, they're looking at opening even other, uh, other um, um, countries for us to look at as well. Not only in the Philippines, but we're starting there. I would love to build a church in the midst of where it's happening right now, in Israel. I love to build a church in China. I love to build a church in India. Why? Because there's more people. We need to crowd heaven. We need to crowd heaven. Because that's what we're called to do. And the last thing is we're saving for the future of Axios Church. We, we believe that the God has a building for us. And every year we're going to come together just like this in this month. And we're going to say, hey, we're putting money aside. Listen, we're good stewards of our money here at Axios Church. The staff is real good stewards of what God has, has given us. And uh, we believe that as we are good stewards, God is going to bless. There's a building right now that God knows that we don't know yet that we're just going to walk into. You need the resources to do that. So we just want to be prepared that when it opens, we are walking. We are crawling. We are running to that place. And that's how we leave a legacy here 
at our church. I challenge you this. It's not only about this, and I'm done. It's about leaving a legacy for your household as well. Everything that we taught this month is not only for Axios. It's for you. It's for your children's children. You've got to leave godly legacies. We have to be watchmen, workers, and warriors. Because there is something great that God wants to do in your life and the generation, the bloodline in your life as well. But we have to have somebody to stand up like Nehemiah and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will give. And we will be who God's called us to be. Amen? God, thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord Jesus. We pray right now as we talk about leaving a legacy, Father. Lord Jesus, let it not only be for this church, but for our life personally, God. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a blessing. But God, we know that you're a God that blesses as well. God, I pray for each and every person that is on the fence of sowing into this legacy offering, God. I pray right now that you will soften their heart to let them know they're not giving to a church. They're giving to a vision, a, a, the kingdom of God as we push it forward, God. We don't play defense, we play offense. And God, when we are ready to go, when you have opened the door, God, we are ready with our sword to fight, fight, fight. I pray that the warriors will rise up in this place, God, that we will not sit back, that we'll be ready to fight because generations are in the brink. We are fighting not for now, but for generations to come. And God, you have given us the ability to fight. And today we'll fight in your name we pray. Amen. Wasn't that an amazing message? If you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in Lakeland, Florida, you can go to axioschurch.com and in the giving tab, you can give a one-time donation or a reoccurring gift. We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning and meet every Sunday and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, make sure you're tuned in to everything that Axios Church has to offer.